Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Matt Densky talks about the best gift ever, the gift of Jesus at Christmas United Night. He talks about John 3.16 and how Jesus came to save us. Because of Jesus coming, we don't have to earn his love. He will never leave us and he is still with us through the Spirit. We hope you're encouraged by this message and have a Merry Christmas. Amen. Amen. And welcome once again, everyone, to Fellowship Greenville Student Ministry on our Christmas United Night. We are so glad that you guys are here. We are excited to be here with you as well. Guys, we are officially into December. We are six days into December. Scarlett, happy birthday. My wife's birthday is tomorrow. I know. I know. Get this. Get this. My sister-in-law's birthday was yesterday. My brother-in-law's birthday is tomorrow. My wife... My, my brother-in-law's birthday is today, my wife's birthday is tomorrow, and my dad's birthday is tomorrow. There's something going on. So Scarlett, welcome to the club, man. We're all in there together. Uh, guys, it is, gift, it is gift giving and gift buying season. Does anyone just enjoy like the thrill of buying gifts for people? I'm in this camp. I love buying gifts. I love thinking about the person and like, ooh, what are they going to like? How creative can I get? How surprised can I make them? Is anyone in the camp of like, I just love getting gifts? People love receiving gifts. It's okay. It's okay to admit that. Yes, I see you, James. Yes. Is any yes, nice. Is anyone in the camp of I do not like getting gifts? I do not like receiving gifts. Really? Two people, two people, three people. Hey, I'm gonna raise my hand. I I I like I like the gift. I don't like the process of being watched while I open the gift. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I want you, I want you to turn to your neighbor, turn to your friend with a socially distant space between you and share what is the worst gift <laughs> what is the worst gift you have ever gotten and why go what is the worst gift you have ever gotten and why You have 30 seconds, 30 seconds, hurry it up. If you haven't shared, share. You should already know this. It's the worst gift you've gotten. Ten seconds. Gotta be quick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Now, I want to hear some of the results. I want to hear some of the results. What's the worst gift you've ever gotten and why? My little brother gave me hot glue sticks. Hot glue sticks? I feel like that's a great gift. That's an awesome gift. Why? What are you talking about? What's wrong with that gift? You can do so many things with hot glue sticks. You don't have a hot glue gun? Well, now he knows what to get you this year. Man, he's setting you up for 2020. Yes, what? Yes, Santa. Santa. Santa doesn't want to speak. Yes. A, a what? A cereal book? Oh, someone got a, a cereal, got a little book in there and gave it to you as a gift? I mean, yeah, I, I could think of better, but it's not terrible. Yes. A cardboard box. Did you... Did you open that box? <laughs> Did you just get it and like, nah? Yes, guys. JJ, go first. My, uh, when I was like six, I got like an adult medium tank top. Adult medium tank top when you were six. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nice. Nice, bro. <laughs> I got an adult medium tank top when I was six. It scarred me for life. Yes. Socks? I love socks, bro. What are you talking about? I love socks, but out. Okay. Yes. Nick. Kids Bop is the greatest gift you can imagine. What are you talking about, man? Ungrateful Gen Zers in this place. Yes. Yoda? You got Corona. You got COVID-19. You got COVID-19 as a gift. <laughs> At least you got the antibodies too. Yes. Yes. Your mom accidentally switched around the stockings. So you open, you open Anna Jubilee's? Yeah, you have an eight-year-old sister. You open Anna Jubilee's stocking. That is rough. That is rough, James. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes, guys, right here. You got a pooping toilet game? That sounds kind of, I like it. I, I'm kind of curious. Yes. A tiny plastic elf that pooped candy. Both of you guys got poop gifts? That's weird. All right, that's it. Guys, I, uh, there was a theme to last year's Christmas. It was poop. I, uh, I'm bad with getting gifts. I'm bad with getting gifts, especially when the spotlight's on me. Once in college, it was my birthday, and I walked into my classroom, and there were all these gifts on the desk. There were three gifts on the desk, and I immediately walked in. I got super embarrassed because I knew they were for me, and I knew the whole class would want to see me open them. Uh, and the, the girl that got them for me, I knew she would want to know, like, how, how did you like them? Like, blah, blah, blah. I went into the classroom, I sat at the desk, and I literally just set them down under the chair. I did not even, I know, she was, she was heartbroken. She was devastated. Some of y'all are like, wow, you jerk. I know, I to, I'm telling you, I'm not good when the spotlight's on at receiving gifts. It's just not me. But I love buying gifts. I love thinking of gifts. I love thinking of people. But in this gift season, I'm drawn to one of the most familiar verses that, that maybe all of you know, which is John 3.16. John 3, 16. And you've probably seen it before, you've heard it before, but it goes like this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall never die, but have eternal life. They shall live forever with Jesus. This verse of hope. Anyone ever heard this verse before? Show of hands. Yes, good for you. Wow, great. Okay, good. Um, I'm drawn to this verse during this season because this verse describes God giving a gift. And it's the gift of Jesus. It's the gift of life. It's the gift of a repaired relationship with God. Some of you guys, Jenny Ann's already on it. Jenny Ann's on it. Woo! All right, let's get fired up. Yeah. So some of you guys know, I don't know if you know this, but I have kids. You guys know that? Yeah, I know. I know it's a shocker. I know it's a shocker. I know it's a surprise. Calm down, everyone. I have kids. None of them planned, but I have them. Okay. And um, I, I have three kids. Five-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, and a sweet six-month-old baby girl. We're just snuggling her up. But every now and then, I will get gifts for my kids. Now, the little girl's too young to really understand, but the two-and-a-half-year-old and the five-year-old, they get it. I'll, I'll bring home a gift. Maybe I'll go to the Target, Target, if you're feeling really boutique. But I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to Target. I'll go to that one section that's like $1 toys, $3 toys, or $5 toys. Like right when you walk in, you know what I'm talking about? section's awesome, by the way. And I'll just buy like something, like a $1 bouncy ball that lights up LED lights when you bounce it or whatever. But I'll bring it home and I'll give them the gift. And it's for no special occasion. 
Like we think of Christmas, we're like, oh, of course you'd get gifts. It's Christmas, man. Or Scarlett, your birthday, my wife's is tomorrow or whatever. But, but do you ever just think of someone that you love and you care about and you decide, I'm just going to get them something because I love them. It's no holiday. There's no birthday. There's no anniversary. There's no occasion. The reason is because I love them. And every now and then I'll, I'll buy my kids something small, some gift, but I'll bring it home and I'll give them to them. And I'll get down at their eye level and I'll say, hey, do you guys know why daddy got you this gift? And I'll say, no. And I'll say, it's just because I love you. It's just because I love you. You didn't do anything. You didn't earn it. There's no special occasion. Daddy loves you and daddy loves getting you this gift. And really what I'm doing is I'm planting seeds to point them towards John 3.16. That we have a heavenly father who loves us. And not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, not because it was some special occasion, but because of his love, he has given us the greatest gift we could ever imagine, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. And Jesus, Jesus repairs the broken relationship that we have with God. He makes it right. It's the greatest gift we could ever imagine for no reason except that God loves us. So let's look at this story of Jesus and his birth. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Pretty famous story around Christmas time. A couple of characters, Joseph, Mary, and then little baby Jesus. Let's look at this story right here. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, or in other words, she was promised to Joseph, she committed to Joseph. In our culture, we would call that engaged we're pledging ourselves to one another even before we're married. We're saying, yes, we will spend our lives with each other. So when she was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, needless to say, the Bible doesn't say this, but he was shocked, okay? He was shook a little bit, scratching his head. She comes to him. She says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. He's like, okay, <laughs> it's not yours, right? We haven't done that, okay? It's God's. He's like, oh, <laughs> psycho. <laughs> she says, I am pregnant. It's God's baby. Listen, being a just man, being an honorable man, and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, I mean, dude is noble. He's like, look, obviously something's up here. You're coming to me telling me you're pregnant. You say it's God's. <laughs> Who's going to believe that? We, we're, we're familiar with the story. So we're like, of course, Joseph, believe her. It's Jesus. It's from God. But, I mean, put yourself in those shoes at that moment. Like, you've never heard of a virgin birth before. You're like, mm, not buying it. I'll divorce you, but I'll do it in a way that doesn't shame you. He's not going to bring it publicly. He's not going to embarrass her. He decides, nope, I'm out. I'm done. This is too crazy. This, this uh, fiancé of mine is telling me she's pregnant with God's baby. Yep, I didn't see that coming. I'm out. Adios. I'm done. While he's asleep, an angel visits Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. <laughs> it's like, bro, don't be afraid. I know she's pregnant with God's child. Don't be afraid. Like, okay, angel, who are you? For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And this is Isaiah's prophecy 700 years before this. 
Isaiah said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. 700 years prior, this prophet named Isaiah is, is having this vision into the future, and he's saying these things, and he's saying, One day a child will come, and he will restore and repair every broken relationship uh, with people and their God on this planet, past, present, and future. One day a child will come and we will call him Prince of Peace. One day a child will come and we will call him Wonderful Counselor and the weight of the government will be on his shoulders. One day a child will come. He's prophesying all these things about Jesus who is going to restore the brokenness between God's people and God that started all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 when the first sin against God took place from people. These prophecies were 700 years before. Like most of us, when Christmas is done, we're like, oh, 365 days till the next Christmas? Man, it's a long time. Imagine waiting 700 years for the gift that has been promised. And now it's time and it's come to fulfillment. And the angel tells Joseph, it's time. And guess what, dude? It's your son. It's in your fiance's belly. It's God's child, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means, in the Hebrew language, means God with us. I want everybody to say, God with us. Yes, God with us. In my opinion, this is one of the most beautiful declarations in all of the Bible. Because the Bible truly is a story about love. It's, it's about a God who loves his people and created people to have a relationship with and those people rebelled against God and broke that relationship and then all throughout the Bible we see God make movements towards his people make movements towards his people make movements towards his people and all throughout the Bible we see people rebel more against God and rebel more against God and rebel more or somehow they convince themselves no we we can earn this we can make this right ourselves we can do enough and say enough and be enough and act enough that somehow we can get ourselves right with god in fact there's a story in the book of genesis chapter 11 called the tower of babel where a ton of people come together and they say hey we can do this why don't we build this gigantic tower and ascend ourselves up into heaven we can get ourselves to god god's like no that's not how it works Jesus' very name, God with us, is talking about the fact that God has come down out of heaven. You don't have to build your way up to heaven. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. There's nothing you can do enough of to get to it. Jesus is the declaration, I'll come down to you. This is the gift. I love you and I'll come to you. I will make right what was broken thousands of years ago. I will restore the pain and the loss in the relationship. I will build the bridge. I will come to you. The name of Jesus is not just a title. It's a declaration of truth. God has come down and is with us. And sometimes we forget this, and it's so easy to forget. We get trapped in the cycles of thinking, just like so many people in the Bible what can I do? How much of it can I do? How can I earn God's love? How can I earn God's favor? How can I earn God's forgiveness? I'm not worthy of God's love. There's nothing, there's nothing I can do. To... We get trapped in these cycles of thinking, and we forget one of the simplest truths in the Bible, which is God has come down. God is with us. It's Jesus. The 700-year waiting came to fulfillment in a little baby who was raised by teenage parents 
who had no clue what was going on. That's how God decided to step into the world. God is with us. If you look at the life of Jesus, you look through the Gospels, it's one of the most beautiful um, stories because it's all about God has come down and God is with his people and Jesus. In fact, if we don't have it on the screens, but we read John 3.16. If you look at John 3.17, it talks about the purpose of Jesus coming. He hasn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world, to seek out people and save them. That's the purpose of Jesus. And you look at his life, and that's certainly true. God has come down. God is with us. There's power in that thought. There's power in proximity. To be in the presence of someone is different than just knowing they're real somewhere out there. That's why a lot of you, when you go to concerts and you see your favorite singer or, or, or like celebrity person, when they're there in the flesh, it's like, oh, my, they're there. It's, they're real. It's because there's power. Sorry, sorry. Baby Samuel, I'm sorry. There's power in the proximity of being near to that person. A few weeks ago, my oldest son and I, Trent, uh, we, we went, well, the whole family, but we went to this waterfall, and the waterfall is about, I mean, it's 100 feet high, like it comes down this, this rock, and we're looking at it, and Trent asks me, he says, Daddy, can we hike to the top? And, I'm, and there's not really a trail, but I'm like looking kind of at the mountain, and you could bushwhack it if you wanted to, and I'm like, are you sure you want to do it, buddy? It's pretty steep. It's going to be hard hiking in some areas. He's like, yeah, Daddy, I want to go to the top. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so we start hiking, and I mean, it's steep enough, you know, you're using your hands and your feet, like the ground is here, it's, it's, it's real steep, and in a lot of it's rock, so it's a little slippy, and so I'm kind of hiking with three limbs, and I've got his butt in this hand, I'm like, <laughs> like kind of pushing him up as I go up, and, and so eventually we get to the top, and it's this amazing view, and we're waving at mommy down below, and little brother and little sister, and, and then it's time to go down. And when it's that steep, it's a little bit different going down than it is coming up. When you're going up, you're not looking at the height of it. You're just looking at where you're going, and you're kind of crawling on all fours. Going down is a little different. You're seeing the height, and you're seeing the pitch of the angle, and you realize how steep it is, and you kind of have to do this, like, reverse crab walk. Whoa, candy cane. You, you kind of have to do this reverse, thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, crab walk and kind of slide on the rocks a little bit. And he's only five. I mean, it's a little scary. It's scary for me. I don't like heights. <laughs> so I'm up there, and I'm going down, and I would immediately turn around and kind of hold my hand out, and I would say this to him. It's okay, buddy. Daddy's here. I've got you. I'll go first, and I'll turn around and help. And he would trust me. And then we'd get to a different part that was a little bit scary and a little bit steep, and I'd say the same thing. Hey, buddy, it's okay. Look at Daddy. I'll go first. I'm with you. I'm here. We get to another part and you get a little scared. Hey, buddy, look at me. I'll go first. Daddy's with you. I'm right here. And I would keep having to remind him that I was with him. Well, doesn't he see me? It, wasn't it obvious? Well, yeah. But to be reminded of the simplest of truth, hey, buddy, I'll do it first. You can watch me go. And Daddy is with you. The name of Jesus is not just a title, it's a declaration. God is with us. He's with us. Jesus goes first. He leads the way. He turns around to help. He is with us. And it was this kind of life and this, this principle of his life that really got him in trouble. And so I, I want to go to 
to uh, one last place tonight. This is Luke chapter 15. Maybe this is a familiar passage as well. Uh, this, pa- this whole chapter is kind of famous for one story in it called the prodigal son, but I want to focus on the chapter as a whole and the way it's laid out. So Luke chapter 15, I don't have this part on the screen. I want to look at the first few verses. Verse 1, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. So the Bible is describing the people who are coming around Jesus as tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors in this culture, they were hated, they were despised. Nobody liked tax collectors, kind of like today, but for a variety of different reasons. One is Israel was being ruled by Rome. This foreign government had come in and conquered the land. Rome needed taxes, but didn't want Romans to collect taxes because that would raise tensions between the two peoples. And so Rome would hire Jewish people to go and take money from Jewish people on behalf of a government that has conquered Jewish people. So tax collectors were this middle person that nobody liked. Rome didn't like them, Jews didn't like them, and they're taking money from their fellow brothers and sisters. So in this culture, tax collectors are despised. And then the other descriptor we get in verse 1 is just sinners, like this all-catching. Yeah, and if you're guilty of anything else, you were there too, these sinners. Tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around Jesus. God with us, God with them. And then verse, yes, amen. And then verse 2, we get the, the contrast. There's another group of people there. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and even eats with them. Now, in this culture, eating was symbolic of friendship. If I sit down at a table with you and we eat, we're friends. And so the the scribes and the Pharisees were basically saying, Jesus is treating these sinners like friends. Like, what is he doing? So who were the scribes and the Pharisees? Well, they were the theologians of the day. They were the people that knew God's word and they taught God's word and they enforced God's word. They were theologians, they were pastors, they were teachers of God's word and God's rule. But basically the Pharisees and the scribes considered themselves knowledgeable about God. They considered themselves right with God. They considered themselves to be understanding of God and his ways and his word. In other words, their phrase that they would use to describe themselves is, hey, we're with God. We're with God. We know God. We know his ways. We know his word. We're with God. You sinners are not with God. You're far from God. You're not where we are. You're not even close. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and he's treating them like friends and he's eating with them, they get upset. They're angry. Hey, this guy treats sinners like friends. Man, we're with God. We know better than this. And they're completely missing that God is actually with us. They took a lot of pride in what they knew. Their claim, hey, we, we, we're with God. And they completely missed Emmanuel. God is with us. And God is sitting in the midst of people who need him the most, and they grumble, they get upset, they complain, and they come to Jesus, and they basically say, hey, you hang out with really bad people. Do you know that? And I love Jesus, man. He doesn't defend himself. He doesn't get into this whole theological argument. What he does is he tells three stories back to back. The first story is about a shepherd who has a flock of sheep, and he loses one of those sheep, and he goes and finds it. He goes after the sheep. I lost a sheep, and I went to find the sheep. Now imagine coming to Jesus and saying, man, you hang out with bad people. And Jesus is like, there's a shepherd who has sheep. (laughs) It's like, what are you talking about, dude? He tells this story 
Imagine a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he loses one of those sheep. What does he do? He goes and finds it. And then all of a sudden he gets into the second story. He goes, now imagine a woman who has 10 coins and she loses one of these coins and it's a valuable collection to her. And so she seeks after it. She flips her whole house upside down and she finds the coin. Shepherd has sheep, loses one, goes and finds it. A woman has coins, loses one, goes and finds it. And then he tells a third story about a father who has two sons and he loses one of the sons. The son runs away and nobody goes and finds the son. The prodigal son story that you might have heard before. But the way Jesus frames it in Luke chapter 15 is, a shepherd has sheep and loses one, and he goes and finds it. A woman has coins and loses one, and she goes and finds it. A father has sons and loses one, and no one goes. You see, the the prodigal son story is about a young man who rebels against his father, wishes his father dead, takes his wealth, squanders the father's inheritance that he worked so hard for, And he comes to the end of himself, he's literally eating pig food, he comes to the end of himself and realizes life was much better with my dad. I could probably earn a place back in my dad's house. And so he comes up with this plan about this speech he can give his dad and maybe his dad will forgive him. And he turns around and he goes home and he launches into this speech that he has prepared for his dad. And his his father is waiting and scanning the horizon daily and he sees the silhouette of his son and he's finally come home and the father goes and runs to him, which is very shameful in Jewish culture. It was shameful for a man to show his legs in Jewish culture. That's why they wore robes. (laughs) But the story is about a father who disregards shame and he is just high-stepping it towards his son, sprinting across fields. His son launches into the speech, Dad, I'm so sorry, I've sinned against you and against... And the father just interrupts him, Hey, my son who was dead is home! Yes! Wraps his arms around him, kisses him, gives him a ring, puts puts a robe on him, puts some shoes on him, yells back at the house, Yo, get the fattened calf out, we're gonna party tonight! Celebrates his son coming back. It's a picture of God's love, receiving sinners. It's what Jesus was getting in trouble for. He's telling this story. But there's another brother, the older brother, who's very dutiful. He obeys all the rules. He's out in the field. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And he hears the dancing and the music going on. Jesus, by the way, is describing the love of God and how he receives sinners as a dad who throws a dance party. (laughs) Can we say lit? Okay. I mean, this is like, you want to know what God's like? Dance party. Whoa. Okay. Mm, mm. It felt good when I did it too. (laughs) The other character in the story is not impressed with this younger son who's come home his brother. In fact, he's bitter about it. He complains to the dad. Dad reassures him, son, whatever I have is yours. It's always been yours, but your son was dead. He's come home. He's been restored. We should celebrate this. We should party. And the older brother's not having it. Jesus is telling this story to help the Pharisees, the righteous, the religious understand. You claim that you're with God but you're missing that God is with us. You claim that you know God and his ways and his word, but if you did, you would be the ones to go after all the people who need God. 
A shepherd lost a sheep, went after it. A woman loses a coin, went after it. A father lost a son. It's the other brother's responsibility to go after the brother. And newsflash, religious, righteous Pharisees and scribes, you're the older brother who's more concerned about your obedience in the field than finding your brother who's dying out there. And because you're not doing it, I'm here to do it. So yeah, I'm treating sinners like friends because guess what? That's what I am, a friend to sinners because God is with us. That's the impact of Luke chapter 15 and that's the impact of the name of Jesus. We don't have to earn our way to God. We don't have to work our way to God. We don't have to come up with speeches and rehearse them and then go and say them and earn our way back into God's favor. God loves us so much that he gave his one and only son that if anyone would ever believe in him, they'll never die, never experience death, but have eternal life forever with Jesus because Jesus loves us and Jesus, God, put skin on and came to be with us and one of the last things Jesus said before he left is I will never leave you and even though he left physically who did he send his spirit to stay permanently God is still with us to this day God is with you God is with you God is with you it's the greatest gift we could have ever been given Emmanuel God is with us and he treats us like friends Let's pray. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for the gospel, and we thank you for the good news that you love us and that you treat us like friends because you value us like friends. Thank you for sitting with us and eating with us. Thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. I pray this holiday season in the midst of gift giving and receiving that we would remember the greatest gift of all time, your son, who sees us as his friends. Father, we love you. We ask these things in prayer.